Joshua chapter 3. Sight is one of those senses, sight is one of those senses that we trust almost implicitly. How many of you uh, trust what you see? I do, and I wear glasses. Um, it's funny, I, I refed, um, my wife plays basketball on Monday nights, and the ref didn't show up for some reason or other, and I am not a basketball uh, referee by any stretch of the imagination. I just happen to know a little bit about the game. And uh, so I refed, and uh, I made some really bad calls. And I was just waiting for somebody to hand me a pair of glasses, and I could say, I already have them. So there's really no hope for me in that sense. But sight is one of those things that we trust almost exclusively. We say things like this. I saw it with my own two eyes. Okay, we say things like that. We say this, seeing is believing. Pretty easy, we trust that. We say this, eyewitness accounts. We don't want somebody who heard about it, we want somebody who saw it. Okay, eyesight is an amazing thing. But have you ever had your eyes play tricks on you? Yes, all of us have. Have you ever seen something that was not really there? There is actually a phenomenon that takes place that allows us to see something that is not there. It's actually called a mirage. It's a mirage. It's something that is not there. A mirage is an illusion of something that is actually there. I want to explain that to you. It's just displaced. Think about that. A mirage is an illusion of something that is actually there, but it's just misplaced. I'm going to ask the guys to throw that, that picture up there, right? So this is what you get. It's an infographic on a mirage. We must understand that humans can see in a straight line. So you can see the fellow there. He's looking down. He can see this mirage of a palm tree and a building, and he's looking straight down, okay? Human sight sees in a singular distance. that It can't bend or anything. Okay, but light, light can be refracted. Refracted is a big fancy term for curved. Okay, light can be curved. It can change and manipulate. So what happens here is there's cooler air on top and there's hotter air on the bottom. And as the light comes through that cooler air and hits the warmer air, it begins to bend or refract upwards. And so what happens is it, it curves upwards and hits the man right in the line of sight. So he thinks that he sees palm trees here when the palm trees are way, way out in the distance, okay? This happens on the road. When you're driving down the road on a really hot day, what do you see up in front of you? Water, okay? You know what that is? That's actually the sun reflecting the sky and the clouds, Okay? When you're in a desert and you, you're, you're dying for water and you see water up and you just, oh, there's water, there's water, there's water. Again, that's reflecting the sky. Okay? So that's what a mirage is. It's something that is displaced. So let me ask you this question. Can we really trust our eyes? Not according to this, can we? We can't really trust everything that we see because... Sometimes our eyes play tricks on us. I want you to see Joshua chapter 3 in verse 1. The Bible says, And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days 
that the officers went through the host. And they commanded the people, saying, When ye see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go, for ye have not passed this way heretofore. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spake unto the priest, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass over before the people. And they took up the ark of the covenant and went before the people. I want to give to you a message today that I've entitled Obstacle Illusions. Obstacle Illusions. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here this morning. Father, I pray that you would help us as we understand your word this morning. Father, as we look at these things that sometimes they look like they're a bit difficult to overcome, but Father, we know that through you we can overcome anything, and I pray that you would help us to see that. Thank you so much for dying on the cross for our sins. Thank you for loving us. Father, may we just simply keep our eyes focused on you and love you in return. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Obstacle illusions. The idea is the children of Israel are just about to cross the Jordan River. We find that in verse 15, in fact, if you'll jump down there with me, verse 15, Jordan has actually overflown its banks. And as they that bear the ark were coming to Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest. So the river is huge. It is not just a little stream. It's not just uh, uh, something that, that's, it's, it's huge, okay? So the idea is, well, I was in Israel um, about four or five years ago now, and they said that the water of the Jordan River reaches up to a certain point on a platform. So it's deep and it's wide, okay? So we came, when we got there, it was probably uh, as wide as from me to Nick Westlake away. That's about how wide it was. You could almost jump across it. But when Jordan overflows, it's incredible. They say it goes up so many feet and it gets so wide. Listen, this is not just a small creek. This is a huge river. Very important. To some, this may have looked like an obstacle. How are we going to get across this? They're literally on the banks of the river for three days. I hope you noticed that in the beginning of the passage. They're there for three days. Perhaps they're looking at the river and wondering, how are we going to cross that? Wait, how are my children going to cross that? How, how are the cattle going to cross that? How is everything that we have to get over into the promised land, how are all of that going to get over there? Maybe they looked at it as an obstacle. How are we going to get this armor over there? How are we going to get our battlement over there? How are we going to get these things over there? Every one of us asks these questions, don't we? Maybe not necessarily about the Jordan River, but we have obstacles that come into our lives. Every one of us has things that come into our lives that we look at and go, how are we going to get through that? How are we going to overcome that? How are we going to, what are we going to do about that? We ask these questions. But the difference lies in this, how we view these obstacles. Let me ask you a question. How do you view the obstacle that's right in front of you right now? How do you view it? Some of us view it as 
impossible. There is no way. There is absolutely no way that I could possibly get through this moment in my life. There is no way that I could possibly uh, overcome this. And there are others that think this is possible. This is completely and utterly possible. They don't buy into the illusion that it is impossible. Why in the world are there people that don't view their obstacles as impossible? Why? They have some information that we often forget about. You see, people that look at an obstacle and and say, oh, that's not impossible. It might be difficult, but it's not impossible because they have some information that we often forget about. They remember some things that us regular people forget. I want to give you three principles to remember when overcoming an obstacle illusion. Number one, I want you to see this, the intentional illusion. The intentional illusion. I want you to see this. Illusions happen because of light refraction, right? Okay, we saw the picture. It happens because of the light refracting. Now I want you to think about something right here. Satan is the angel of light. Light refracts and causes our vision to see something that is not really there. Listen to me. Satan is the angel of light. He's beautiful. He puts things in front of us that look really tempting. But in reality, they're nothing but destruction. So often it happens. Satan will intentionally try to intimidate you. Satan will intentionally try to get your mind thinking one way. And when your mind thinks one way, that will inevitably, that will inevitably cause you to act a certain way. Listen, I act the way I think, which some of you are pretty scared right now. But that's, I think, and so what I think, that's what I do, and that's how sin happens. We begin to think about it, we begin to look at it, and we begin to spend time, and we begin to muse over it, and we begin to think about all the things that could happen and how badly we want that thing. And before long, we're acting upon that. So what Satan gets you to believe, he'll try and intimidate you. He'll try to tempt you. He'll try to do all kinds of things to you to get you thinking a certain way so that you'll act a certain way. Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7, the Bible says for this, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. You understand that as you think, that's how you're going to act. When you think, that is your action. If Satan can get us to doubt... If Satan can get us to question, he's gotten his foot wedged in the door of us moving forward. Write this down. Forward progress is hindered with the presence of doubt. Forward progress is hindered with the presence of doubt. Listen, Satan did this with Eve, the very first sin, the very first temptation. He said, yea, hath God said, he questioned what God had already said. Forward progress is hindered with the presence of doubt. So instead of Eve continuing to move forward and Eve continuing to love and cherish God and walk with God in the cool of the day, all of these things and live a sinless and perfect life in the Garden of Eden, her forward progress is hindered. 
because there was doubt now raised. She thought, oh no, God lied to us. Oh no, God just doesn't want us to have something special and that all happened because of Satan. Listen, God, Satan is going to put things in your life and he's going to get you to doubt and he's going to get you to back off just a little bit and go, ah, I don't know if we should go that way. I don't know if we should continue through that. Satan has intentionally caused us to see an illusion. When you see that illusion and you take action on that illusion, rendered incapacitated, I love that word, virtually useless, dead as you were. In this instance, the children of Israel could have looked at the Jordan River and thought, there's no way. How in the world are we going to cross that thing? It's deep, it's wide, it's flowing. How are we going to get across that? We can't swim across it. We'll never make it with all the things that we need in order to conquer the land. Can we make it? Can we get across the river? Uh, let's move a little bit forward. Can we penetrate those really thick walls of Jericho? Let's bring it home a little bit. Can we make a difference in St. Thomas? Can we actually make a difference in St. Thomas? Can we really turn our financial problems around? Can we really see our child come back to the Lord? Can we really see our neighbor saved? Can we really get out of this relationship trouble? Can we really work through this? Can we really, can we really, can we really? All of these questions. Satan can do this in any number of ways. Satan can do it in any number of ways. He can get us to question. He can get us to doubt in any number of ways. One way that I think of often is somebody that you look up to, they fall. Doesn't that place doubt in your mind? Does that place doubt in your mind when you go, ah, well, if they can't do it, how can I? Well, if, if they can't make it, how can I? You really looked up to that person and they, they caused you to maybe doubt. Satan can do this by causing pain. Man, when I'm in pain, the first thing I do is back off. My dad was helping my grandma. She took a fall. And cut herself up pretty good. So he was just trying to dress the wound and clean it. And uh, his sister, had, my aunt, had placed uh, a bandage on it and it had stuck to the wound. And so my dad's trying to cut this big bandage off with a pair of scissors. And the first thing that he did when he was trying to cut with the scissors is he poked my grandma with the scissors. And the, what happens? My grandma says, ow! And you know what my dad does? Whips it back. You know where I happen to be standing? Right about here. I almost, so he stuck my grandma, and he almost sticks me. That's the first thing that we do when we're in pain. We, we retreat, don't we? So listen, Satan might cause some pain in your life. He might bring something about that hurts you. He can illusion us. By thinking of ourselves higher than we ought to think. Man, I'm, I'm something special. Man, everybody should be looking at me going, wow, you're amazing. Satan can get you in any number of ways. The key to remember is this. It's an illusion. That's all it is. It's an illusion. Listen, Satan brings about something in your life that's painful. Listen, it's an illusion to try to get you to back off. Satan causes somebody else falling in front of you, and you're, you looked up to that person. Listen, understand, it's Satan causing an illusion to you. 
So let me ask you this question. How do we guard against this? If we know that there's illusions, if we understand that, and listen, you can take, uh, 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 there's information on the internet as to how to, to approach a mirage. What should you do? So let's look at this. How are we supposed to guard against this illusion? I want you to see number two, our personal preparation. Our personal preparation. Look with me in verse 5 of Joshua chapter 3. The Bible says this. And Joshua said unto the people, here it is, sanctify yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Sanctify from Strong's Dictionary means this, to make clean. To make clean. Here in this passage, Joshua is saying, listen, people of Israel, make yourselves clean because God wants to do something for you tomorrow. Clean up, prepare yourself. If you today know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, then he has sanctified you. Bible says with the washing of water by the blood. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. With that blood, the Bible says, he cleanses us from all sin. But on the same token, we have a responsibility to purge ourselves and be ready for God to use us. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 2 with me. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Second Timothy chapter 2, look at verse 20. The Bible says this. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth. Here it is. And some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these... He shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use. Watch this next phrase. And prepared unto every good work. You see, we have a responsibility to purge ourselves. We have to purge ourselves from these things. And the entire passage talks about those things. The things that we're to purge ourselves from. And listen, when we do that, we're meat for the master's use. But not only that, we're prepared unto every good work. We need to prepare ourselves, our personal preparation. Write this down. Keeping ourselves pure does not maintain our salvation. It maintains our preparation. Keeping ourselves pure does not maintain our salvation. Listen, we were, once we're saved, we're always saved. But it maintains our preparation. Listen, we wash dishes when we, as soon as we're done using them. We don't wash dishes when somebody comes over and wants a glass. When we're done using them, we wash the dishes, we put them in the cupboard. Why? So that they're prepared for the next time we want to use them. It's amazing. If some of you don't do that, you should try that. Okay, it's amazing. The same is true about cleaning your room. My mom always used to tell me, listen, if you're done with it, put it away. Instead of, oh my goodness, my friends come over, I got to clean my, just put it away. Saves you so much more time. But listen, it doesn't maintain our salvation, it maintains preparation. 
We need to have a personal preparation. The children of Israel, in this instance, had to sanctify themselves. And in the instance of Jericho, you'll see they had to be circumcised again. In the instance of Ai, they had to put sin out of the camp. Listen, every time they got ready for a battle, there had to be personal preparation. Has to happen. Go to James chapter 4. James chapter 4 and verse 7. James chapter 4 and verse 7. The Bible says this, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, watch this, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Here it is, cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Listen, so many of us want to get right with God when we can't get through something. Oh, I'm really struggling with my finances. Maybe I should get right with God so that he'll help me through my finances. Man, I'm really struggling with my marital relationship. Maybe I should get right with God. So that I can get through this. Many people will be in a situation, maybe a dire situation. Maybe a, 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 a car accident. Getting a really bad car accident and they're sitting in the car and they're thinking to themselves or praying out loud to God saying, God, if you get me out of this, I'll live for you. Listen, so many of us are maybe not in that direct situation. But that's how we approach the Christian life. We wait till something bad happens and we go, oh, I better get right with God. We wait till some, some struggle comes along and, oh, I better get right with God. But would it not be far more efficient if we just kept ourselves clean so that he would be able to move forward with us without any interference? Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, the Bible says, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Listen, and if you're going to run, if you're going to live in a proper way, if you're going to move forward, you got to put the things aside. You have to have personal preparation. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 22, the Bible says this, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt, according to the deceitful lust. Here it is, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that she put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Understand, Satan is putting before you an illusion. And he's tricking your mind. And he's trying to get you to do something that's along with the old man. He's trying to get you to fulfill your lust. What does is, what is God say? Put off the old man. Cast it aside. Renew your mind. That is key. So key. Renew your mind. Understand that, listen, God has said this, and God has promised me this, and God told me here in his word that I can move forward and then put on the new man. Listen, human beings have this short-sighted problem. It's so short-sighted. 
We can only see in a straight line physically, but spiritually we're just short-sighted. We don't see what God wants to do with the rest of our lives. We don't see that God wants to do some great and amazing things which we know not. We'll talk about that in just a minute. We're so short-sighted that we never prepare for what God has in store for us. We never prepare. We must personally prepare ourselves to overcome every obstacle illusion. Number three. And finally, trust God's imagination. Trust God's imagination. Every one of us has an imagination. I actually got a fortune cookie the other day. I had already written this message. I think it was Friday night. And on it said, you have a wonderful imagination. I showed it to my wife and she laughed. All of us have imagination, some greater, some smaller, but all of us have an imagination. But you understand this, God has an imagination. If you don't believe that, just read this story. God has an imagination. His imagination is far greater than ours. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Again, the Bible says that he can do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. So, so think of the craziest thing that you can think of, and God can think of something crazier. God can do things far greater than we could ever think. God has a big imagination. So he doesn't do things logically. Go back to Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3, if I was going to get an army of people across the river, the first thing that I would do is build a bridge. That's logical, is it not? Am I the only crazy person or is that okay? Building a bridge would be good. If you're going to try and swim it, you're going to lose people, let's build a bridge. We've got lots of things around here. We could put rocks and we could do all kinds of everything. Let's build a bridge. We'll get everybody across. That's logical. But that's not what God had in mind. Joshua chapter 3, look at verse 3 again. And they commanded the people saying, When ye see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it. About 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go. Here's the key, watch this. For ye have not passed this way heretofore. This is so important. None of the children of Israel have been this way before. They've never come to this part of the land. And so God says, let me go before you. Keep about 2,000 cubits between you and I. I'll show you the way that you're supposed to go. We are moving forward into places that we have never been before. All of you that were raised in the 50s and 60s are going, oh yeah, we're going into places we've never seen before. The world is changing at a rate that we've never experienced before. But can I tell you this? No matter where we have gone, God has already been there. And God has already knows what's coming ahead. Listen, we can't go heretofore. We've never been here before. We need to see God in front of us. We are moving forward into places that God has already conquered. 
If we are going to move forward, we must follow him. We must trust him. But I want you to see his imagination now. Look at verse 7. The Bible says, And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel. Why? That they may know that as, that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. And thou shalt command the priests that bear the ark of the covenant, saying, When ye come to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall stand still in Jordan. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come hither and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will, oh, he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Hivites, and the Perizzites, and the Girgashites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passes over before you into Jordan. Now therefore take you twelve men out of the tribes of Israel, and every man of the tribe a man, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, uh, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand up and heap. And it came to pass, when the people removed from the tents to pass over Jordan, and the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people, and as they that bear the ark were come unto Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for the Jordan overflowed all his banks all the time of harvest, that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up and heaped far, very far, from the city of Adam, and that is beside Zaitan, and those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, failed and were cut off, and the people passed over right against Jericho. And it continues that they passed on dry ground until they were all clean passed over. <laughs> we, we know that these people's parents crossed the Red Sea. Would have been amazing. But this is a flowing river. River that's moving water. It's so imagine with me, if you will, the water, it's like a line goes through it. The water on the, if you will, the right hand side goes straight up and just keeps going up. Because all that water is still flowing down and so it goes straight up. And then all this water over here, it's just gone. It's just gone. It's not even there anymore. It's just going down to the, to the end of the sea where it drains out. It just keeps going up. And listen, the Bible says that they cross through on dry ground. Now understand, my thought is just build a bridge. God had a far better idea and a far quicker idea. That's what the problem is. See, when we think logically, and that's okay to think logically. But when we don't trust God's imagination, we might get over the river. But it'll take far longer than God ever intended it. It'll take far more time. It'll take far more resources than God ever intended it. Write this down. God is looking for his imagination to become reality. He wants his imagination to become reality in your life. God has such a great imagination for your specific life. And he wants it to become a reality. Parents, if you have children, I want you just to think about this. You look at your children and you can see their potential. You can see where they're going to go and you've got, if you will, big plans for them. Things that they haven't even thought about yet. 
And you know that if they'll just put some things in their, in their lives and put certain things into place, then someday they can become what you've imagined them to be. Listen, there are children that never become what their parents wanted them to become. It just happens. Why? Because they didn't do the things that the parents put in their imagination, right? I hope you understand God's the same way. God has big plans for you. God has big, big, big plans for you. But so often, we see a perceived obstacle. And we think, nah, there's no way I can get through that. Eh, you know, son, you should really go get a job so that you can, you know, move on in life. Nah, that's too much work. You should really go to university so you can learn how to be a, a good lawyer. Nah, that's too much work. You should go to Bible college so you can learn how to be a minister and to, and to preach and teach or be a missionary, whatever that God has called you to do. Nah, I don't really want to step out there. It's a perceived obstacle. Listen, every single one of us do that. Hey, God puts something in your mind. God puts something in your heart and you start to move forward. Satan slams an obstacle in your way and you go, ah, this is way too much work. Ah, oh, man, I wasn't planning on it. This is not what I signed up for. When we begin to rationalize all these things and the illusion begins to take place, but in reality we've not prepared ourselves and we've not trusted God's imagination. What obstacle illusions are you facing today? Remember, every single, those, every single one of those obstacle illusions can be overcome. Let me say that again. Every single one of those obstacle illusions that are in front of you right now can be overcome. God can overcome them. God has an imagination. God has a way to overcome them. But we need to trust that. Everyone must be overcome. Every one of those obstacles needs to be overcome if we are going to move forward. Individually, you can look at your life and you can go, there's an obstacle in front of me. I can choose to stop right here and stay there and never go forward. Because of that. Or I can choose to pray and ask God as to how he wants me to navigate this situation. Listen, God may not blast right through the Jordan River for you. He may have you walk around it a ton of times. And then all of a sudden it will just disappear. He might have you build a bridge and go up and over it. He might have you do all kinds of different things. Listen, I don't know what God's plans are for you, but I know God has an imagination, and I know God wants you to move forward, to claim what it is he promised you.